For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. It's time for the Bleed Lows Podcast. Your hosts, Alonso and Juan, Alicia Del Valle, and the baby-faced gimmick in the sky, Roger. Bienvenidos, señoras y señores, to another episode of the Bleed Lows Podcast. Estamos en vivo en la carne asada. This episode of the Bleed Lows Podcast is brought to you by Ben Online. Ben Online is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines and the latest matchup reports for this year's NBA playoffs. Ben Online is your sports intel headquarters this season, as we have you covered on all your insider sports wagering needs. From basketball, MLB, NHL hockey, golf to UFC and boxing. It's the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your home. So get into the action today, head over to the website or use your mobile device to join and be sure to use our promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Bienvenidos, señoras y señores. We are in vivo. A special thing. Hey, it's Simeon already on there from the beginning, watching the show from Chick-fil-A. All right. Thank you very much, Simeon. I appreciate that. Uh, before we get the show started, just want to go ahead and remind everybody, those of you that are just strolling onto the live, trying to figure out what this is, we are the Bleed Those Podcasts. So take the time right now, whether you're watching on YouTube, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Or if you prefer to hear the audio format of this show, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. A special hi to Daniel Ibarra. Daniel, checking in on the show. Welcome, Daniel. Thanks for joining us. Um, we had a great episode earlier this week that we're getting a lot of positive reaction on, and that was Dave Stewart. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, speaking with Dave. Uh, and a lot of people seem to love the Bobby Castillo love. I'm, I'm telling you, man, I, th I, I think we got to... We we gotta keep the 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 memory of Bobby Castillo alive on the show, Babyface. I think I gotta find my old neighbor, the one that I told you that he was related to him. And exactly. See if, if we see if we could talk to him and kind of, you know, get some insight of to you know Bobby's life, you know, after the Dodgers and stuff. Absolutely, and a big welcome to Michael Carrillo. Michael, I don't I don't know what was happening. The live was always scheduled for seven ten, so I'm not sure what these technical issues were that you were experiencing over because we were set to go live at seven ten. So, but welcome, thank you once again for showing up, Michael. So let's get right into it. Right, what is everybody? What is the the burning issue right now in Dodger world? Bobby Miller. Bobby Miller. Everybody loves Bobby Miller. We, we've been saved. This is what people wanted. They wanted to see Bobby Miller up on the show. And Bobby Miller goes five innings strong. He's got five Ks. He only gives up one earned run. And the, it, it was a great victory. The Dodgers desperately needed a, a, a pitching performance like that. The Dodgers end up beating the Bravos eight to one. And more importantly, they win the series. They take two out of three against the Bravos, uh, Babyface, and those of you watching on the live. What were you guys? Uh, what were you guys' thoughts on Bobby Miller? Yeah, I thought I thought he, you know, he did great. You know, he he was out there. You know, he, he seemed very composed. You know, he was under control. He didn't he didn't look like you know. I mean, he's facing the the Braves, right? Who have arguably one of the best lineups in baseball, right? And and he was up there, you know, like a ten year veteran, just 
you know, attacking these guys, not not afraid. You know, I mean, he said after, obviously, he's nervous, right? But you couldn't see it. You couldn't tell from his demeanor on the mound, you know, and he went, he gave him five innings, right? And it looked like that that last inning, you know, he knew that was going to be it. And he looked like, you know, he put it all out on the line, you know, throwing some gas still in the fifth inning. And, um, and yeah, and he got the win. And, you know, it was impressive, impressive for his first start, first MLB start, right? And like you said, against the Braves, you know, and, you know, Doc, Doc has already said he's going to get another start. You know, it looks like he's going to be the guy for Julio for right now. You know, we'll talk about Julio a little bit more. And then, you know, we'll see what happens. But, I mean, for his first start, you know, I was impressed. Uh, you know, both Michael Carrillo and Simeon, you know, believe that Bobby Miller needs to stay in the in the rotation. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do because we haven't had the annual Kershaw injury yet. So we don't know how long, uh, you know, these guys are going to stay in the rotation. But, you know, I, it, 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 it made me think of last year when we started hearing all the Gavin Stone talk, right? We had always been hearing about Bobby Miller. Bobby Miller, Bobby Miller. Wait until Bobby Miller gets to the big show. But last year's when we started hearing the Gavin Stone talk, right? And it seemed like, where the hell did Gavin Stone come from? And then I started hearing towards the end of last year, some people were saying that Gavin Stone might be actually even better than Bobby Miller. Do you remember that baby face? So people don't think I'm the crazy person. You heard those same rumors, right? That some people were like, hey, maybe Gavin Stone's going to be the, the dude instead of Bobby Miller. Well, Alex Friedman told us, remember, uh, yeah. see them on, on back-to-back night scouts have said you got your 1A, 1B, you know, so very comparable. Yeah, and Alex Friedman it works for the OKC Dodgers, so he sees Bobby Miller and and uh, Gavin Stone all the time. So, I, I mean, when I the reason why I bring it up is I wanted to compare those major league debuts between Gavin Stone and Bobby Miller. So when Gavin Stone debuted against the Phillies of Philadelphia, it was a little rough, right? He pitched a little better on his second go run in that first game against the Bravos. But then you see Bobby Miller and the way Bobby Miller debuted. I mean, like you laid it all out, babyface. I mean, this was against a Bravos lineup. And he I'm not going to go as far as to say that he looked dominant. But Bobby Miller, I think, looked better than Gavin Stone did in his major league debut. And I just want to point this out. This was on the road. Okay. Gavin Stone had the luxury of debuting at Dodger Stadium. Bobby Miller's on the road against one of, if not, now people think it is the top team in the National League, and we're going to get into this later. But I, I just I can't say enough about Bobby Miller, and I know the other comparisons that I heard after that debut, and I want to throw it out to everybody on here on the live. The comparison I heard a lot when people saw Bobby Miller pitch against the Bravos was Walker Bueller. They felt like they were watching Walker Bueller. Do you remember when Walker Bueller first came up? There was like this sense of confidence from Walker Bueller, like that he belonged in the major leagues and he wasn't going to go back down. This wasn't just a trial. This wasn't just a help. I'm here in your rotation and I'm here to stay. A lot of people felt that Bobby Miller gave that same confidence. What say you, babyface? Yeah, I mean, that's been the comparison. I mean, even I think they even asked Walker Bueller about that. Like, you know, do you see the, do you see the, you know, I guess the resemblance? And I think he, he even said that Walker Miller is more advanced at that, at that stage. He's already more advanced than, than where Walker was. And, and I think you get it because I guess you see the demeanor kind of, you know, they're up there, they're all business up on the mound, right? You, you kind of just see it. They're, they're, they're throwing, they're throwing heat and, and they're kind of just business, all business on the mound. Their type of those type of pitchers, and I think they see that similarity in, in both these guys. I want to welcome Dustin Roberts to the show. Dustin, thanks for coming back, man. We appreciate the support. Uh, Michael Carrillo, I think you bring up a very interesting point with Gavin Stone. Um, it seems like Gavin Stone's best pitch is the changeup. And what is obvious, as we see with Bobby Miller, when you can throw a hundred miles per hour consistently. Uh, that seems to help. And unfortunately, uh, Gavin Stone, I don't think, has that luxury. 
But once again, uh, Michael Carrillo with great points here. You know, Bobby Miller has three pitchers and uh, three pitches. And that's what I think impressed me the most out of that game, Michael, was the fact that he wasn't depending on that fastball as what I mean, he hit over a hundred a couple of times in that game, right? I mean, but he I think the average was ninety-nine point something for Bobby Miller. So it, it was just really interesting. Uh to, I I just I wasn't expecting that. After seeing what Ga- how Gavin Stone looked, I I thought Bobby Miller was going to have a rough time, but I, I think this is very encouraging. I hope he keeps this up. Philip Lopez, welcome to the show. Mr. Raider himself, Philip Lopez is here. And of course, Philip Lopez wants to take credit for Bobby Miller. Philip Lopez is the guy who's been talking about Bobby Miller. No one else has been talking about Bobby Miller, Philip Lopez. It's just you. So congratulations. Um, we got some great comments coming in here on the live. Um, <laughs> Philip Lopez, once again, I think Bueller and Miller were the same size pants. The yoga pants were a big thing. And um, I guess we got to give a shout out to Kike Hernandez for that, right? It's it's one of those things where the, the tight pants look, maybe all the pitchers are there. Um, So I guess the big thing is this, right? Is Bobby Miller going to stay in the rotation? He already said, <laughs> David wants a taco. I, I want to give a great, a quick shout out to David wants a taco because David was at the Bobby Miller game. He was in Atlanta. We appreciate you tagging us on the picture that you took, David. Um, David, I know you were already impressed with the way Bobby Miller looked. You got to see it firsthand. Let us know what, what was the vibe in the stadium when Bobby Miller was going through that Bravos lineup. Um, I want to segue real quick because we're all pumped about Bobby Miller. And I know he, Dave Roberts already said we're going to at least see him one more time in the rotation. Depending on – this is why I want to segue to the next topic. Julio Diaz getting hurt. Um, so Julio Diaz was a hamstring injury. Uh, was it hamstring or, or growing? Uh, hamstring. Okay. So he already said he tested it out. He's starting to feel better. Um, those kind of injuries are always tough. Let me ask you this for those of you guys on the live to you, baby face. Do you think his hamstring issue is the reason why he gave up four home runs in one inning to the Cardinals? Does that concern you, his performance the last few games? Cause Julio Diaz's ERA is, is over four. He has an ERA of 4.39. And I know it just seems odd, right? Because we've just been so used to the way he, he's he been pitching uh, the last few years. So to see him with an ERA of over four, that seems uh, it seems a little bit alarming to me. But the guy also has 55 innings pitched so far this year. He leads the team in innings pitched. So I'm hoping that this is just a temporary thing. But if Julio's going to have these hamstring issues that are going to linger throughout the season. We need that dude. We need that dude as we get closer to the end of the season and we're going to start that playoff run. Um, <laughs> again, we, we, people, people on the live are coming in hot. I love this. Uh, uh, David wants a taco. The stadium was unbelievably quiet in, in Atlanta. I would have loved to have been in that stadium to see that debut um, a lot of fans, thank you for pointing that out, David. A lot of fans were starting to head out, out of the stadium in Atlanta in the bottom of the seventh. People like to give Dodger fans a hard time for showing up late and leaving early. This happens at every stadium. Uh, Michael Carrillo, he doesn't think the hamstring issue with Urias is real. It might be an excuse for the fact that he's not pitching very well. Um and I knew this was going to come up, and that is the pressure of the contract, him being a free agent. I mean, maybe he's doing the Dodgers a favor. You know, if he doesn't pitch this strong, the whole thing, that that might be a reason why the Dodgers will be like, hey, do we really want to go after Julio? Do we want to maybe pursue Otani? Babyface, let me hear from you. What do you think? Is is the injury with Julio real, or are they maybe maybe there is something mechanical that is going on with his windup that is affecting his pitching? Because he's been inconsistent this year. 
uh, these first two months. Uh, he started off with some nice starts, and then when Will Smith got hurt, we thought, hey, Will Smith was the issue. Him not being there, that's why Julio's pitching uh, not as well. But, I, I mean, he just hasn't looked like the Julio from last year. Yeah, and I think some of his issues have been on the road. He's been better at home. You know, a couple of those bad starts have been on the road. and But I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it is legitimately, you know, an injury. Um, I mean, they said he might throw a bullpen like uh, tomorrow or Saturday. So if he throws that and he seems fine, maybe it is just a mechanical thing, man. They just, you know, said, you know, we'll take a little breather here two weeks, kind of get you back on track, you know, work through some stuff, and then bring him back into the rotation. So if we see something like that, you know, then you're kind of thinking, yeah, maybe not so much of, of an injury, you know, kind of more like a phantom IL. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I don't – either way, even if it is a real injury, I mean, I don't expect him – to be sidelined for much longer. So I think it'll be pretty quick. And, and the thing is this also uh, with him is if they are going to go ahead, if there is a mechanical issue, because immediately it came up as he tipping, tipping his pitches. And Dave Roberts had said that they didn't find any of that. He was just making bad pitches, but that inning against the Cardinales was rough. So if Bobby Miller and Gavin Stone continue to pitch this way. Does that give Urias more runway to try to figure out what is going on? Yeah, I mean, I mean, we got, you know, another start with Bobby Miller. So, you know, Dave Roberts said, we'll, we'll take it start to start. So, you know, if Bobby Miller comes out again in his next start and, you know, he has a five, six solid innings again, you're going to be like, okay, we want to run him out there again, right? So it's going to all depend, like, Where's Julio at? Is Julio better already? Does he need another start? Um, but, you know, I think if we see Bobby Miller come out again and, and be impressive, I think it's going to definitely – it's definitely going to be, obviously, for the better for the for the team, right? Because that was my concern, right? Once you got Julio out, once you have May down, I thought they were kind of going to go back into that kind of like when Gonsolin was out. It, and you kind of saw it that first game, kind of like – they were kind of lost, and, and you figured, oh, man, these guys are going to go kind of start playing again like they did again, maybe that 500 ball. But, you know, so far, so good. It looks like, you know, they've been able to put these guys into the rotation and, you know, without missing a beat. So hopefully that continues. Yeah. I, I mean, if Bobby Miller keeps pitching this way, and let's say I th- I'm also very encouraged by Gavin Stone's second start, uh, especially after that first inning. Because that could have really gone sideways on him. and But he bounced back and he stayed in there. And I thought that was very encouraging. So I'm very interested to see what's going to happen. Now, uh, Michael Carrillo, to my understanding, I thought Gavin Stone was slated to pitch that last game on Sunday against the Rayos in, in Tampa Bay. So, I, I mean, at this point, unless the status with Michael Grove changes i i think you have to keep up gavin stone and bobby miller right because i mean you don't have anybody else i mean who else down in (laughs) who else down in the minor leagues could the dodgers bring up to pitch so out of necessity i i think they have to keep up gavin stone and bobby miller even though Look, didn't they say at the beginning of the year that eventually we were going to see these guys now maybe they didn't expect to see them up this soon in the season, but didn't Andrew Friedman say we're going to expect to see Gavin Stone and Bobby Miller? Yeah, I mean that was the the expectation, right, to see both of these guys and and Bobby Miller. He got a late start. He's only had like three or four starts down at AAA, and right. he, hadn't, he hadn't been great. His last his last start there was better, and then and then they called him up. I mean, um, I mean if his last start. W- wouldn't have been great. I mean, I don't know if would they have called him up. I mean, you know, what would they have done in that situation, right? I mean, Michael Groh's been hurt. Pepio's hurt. So they don't have a lot of options in, in that starting pitching depth, right? So they're really thin right there. So, I mean, it looks like they're, they're going to go with these guys and they're going to they're gonna give them that runway. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting because going back to Hulu, do you guys remember when Julio got brought up? They, the Dodgers were very, very careful in how he was being used. They always limited like the number of innings. And what I'm concerned about is because Gavin Stone and Bobby Miller had to come up so early in the season. 
Are the Dodgers going to do that with these two guys as we get closer to the end of the season or even going to the playoffs? Are they going to sit here and use the excuse, we got to protect these guys, so we're not going to let them pitch as much when they clearly could be helping the team? I I mean, you you guys bring up an excellent point. I mean, if these pitchers are helping the game, the team win games, I, I mean, how can you send them down? I mean, the only person, okay, let's say Julio comes back because I don't expect Dustin May to come back. I, I, I really don't. I'll be very surprised if Dustin May comes back. Now, when Pepio comes back, but Pepio's not expected to be back until the middle of June. So I, I think you have to go with these guys. Philip Lopez brings up a very good point, too. The Bravos have a young pitching staff, and they seem to be running, letting their young guys go out there. So, yeah, uh, you're right, Philip Lopez. Uh, the time is now. Michael Carrillo, that makes a lot of sense to me. A 10-game ten ten-game stretch, right? It's let, Let's see, because eventually, like I said, the rest, of the, pitching, the rest of the pitching staff, I do think eventually they are going to go ahead and spend some time on the IL. Uh, I know we've been talking about getting rid of Thor, about trading Thor, I don't know what the trade market is going to look like Thor uh, for Thor, for Syndergaard. Syndergaard seems to be the number one candidate to get out of the rotation. As for now, they just don't have the depth, but we'll see. And look, I, I know at this point, I'm just looking for a positive here. Thor's ERA was under, it was over seven. Now it's under seven. So he didn't pitch that bad against the Cardenales. And normally on the road, he has not pitched well this year. So maybe that's a sign. Maybe he's turning things around. Now, I don't expect Syndergaard to be dominant. But if Syndergaard can keep you in the game and do something that like what Gavin Stone did, where you he keeps you in the game and the Dodgers find a way to win those games, and more importantly, he gives you innings so the bullpen doesn't have to cover five innings, I'll take that. I'll take that. If he can go into the fifth, if he can go into the sixth, that that's found money right there. Uh, so, I mean, we shall see. Um, one of the other things I want to segue into, and I want to get your guys' thoughts on this, is the Will Smith and Marcelo Suna exchange that happened. And for those of you watching the live who don't know, Will Smith got hit, and it wasn't just once. He got hit with Marcelo Suna's backswing. And, you know, people are sitting here talking about, you know, the next day it's like, oh, come on, relax, that Will Smith needed to back up in the catcher's box. I think we're totally forgetting the fact that Will Smith had a concussion earlier this year. And getting hit, I mean, he's lucky he didn't get, like, hit badly, but that could have caused another concussion. And if you saw the video, I don't, have you seen the pictures, Babyface? What Marcelo Suna does is, well, every major league hitter does. They go in there and they erase the the back of the line in the batter's box. But there was a picture that I saw where Osuna was literally almost a foot. His back leg was almost a foot outside of the batter's box. Now, let me ask you this, babyface. Why don't the umpires enforce that? I mean, we have a pitch clock now, right? So the pitchers have to deliver. That is clearly a rule that you have to be in the batter's box. Why aren't the umpires going up to these guys? I, I mean, if you're on the line, I get it. But did you see the picture with Ozuna? I think that's egregious. Yeah, the picture I saw, yeah, he was, he's way out, right? He's way out. And even Will Smith is like, he's backed up more too, like kind of in, in where the umpire would be. So like they're both, and yeah, but I don't, they don't, they don't enforce that. You know, it's kind of like, other rules that they don't enforce, right? Like, uh, you know, the the being in the in the in the batter's circle, right on the on deck, or or the the hitting coaches uh, being in in their box, right? Well, except in that Blue Jay Yankee series where they got kind of annoyed because they weren't standing in those boxes. But I mean, there's little stuff like that. You know, when when a guy runs to first, you know, he's supposed to be within that within that baseline, that, that baseline, right? And it's, a lot of times they're inside, and they never call that as well. So like. There's stuff that they, they just let let it slide. But yeah, I mean that 
especially with what happened with Osuna, I think that's something that the umpire should have been like, okay, let me well, let me keep let me check on that now. Since it happened and it's been an issue, I mean, I think you know if he doesn't want to enforce that every single time, but at, at least in that situation, it should have been something that they're, that they're looking at. So uh, I'll tell you this: I I really love that Will Smith went after him and called him out on that because for me that was a moment that where Will Smith has it's become clear to me that Will Smith is a leader uh, on this team. And, you know, he, he, he's not, it's not like he's a veteran, but he's been on the team for a while. And look, we've been in the clubhouse with him. Will Smith is a very soft-spoken person. So to me, it did catch me a little bit by surprise that Will Smith went at him like that. But I do think it's also just a product of Will Smith having the concussion and he's just fed up. And it's just like, look, somebody can actually get hurt. And and this is totally something that can be fixed. Just keep the guy in the batter's box. Everybody's just like, well, he has a long swing. And it's just like, yeah, okay. But if he's in the batter's box, he probably doesn't hit Will Smith. But I mean, what do you guys think of the fact that Will Smith – actually went after Osuna because I think that caught Osuna by surprise. I don't think he was expecting that from Will Smith. What do you think, babyface? No, yeah, he was – you could see it in his face and he'd be like, oh, what, what, what are you talking about? And even when he went back into the dugout, he's, like, trying to, like, like make his case. You know, he's kind of – he's just one of those guys that kind of looks like he doesn't know what's going on. My dad would call these guys Gata de Menso. He's got you know, Gata de Menso. That's, <laughs> how, that's, that's how he acts and, and – you know, and, and Ozuna, you know, he's, you know, obviously he has that long, he has that history, the, the, the police thing with, you know, beating his wife. So, which I still don't understand how it's not become a bigger of an issue for him, but apparently not. And I think what really kind of bugged me that whole series was that home run. Did you see that, that yeah. home, that trot? That, I mean, I don't know what this guy was doing. Like, I, I get the, the flipping of the bats and doing all that stuff, but this guy was running the bases. He's like skipping along. He's like doing all sidestepping like dude just like run the bases like that's one of the things like this guy should next time he should be up to he, he should have got hit but whatever well well mike that's what michael carrillo says michael carrillo says you know it's very simple you put one in his ass you bury something in it, it bury, i mean look don't throw at his head you don't want the guy hurt but that is one of the things about major league baseball that i've always admired was the fact that they kind of police themselves, right? Now, if you're going to show someone up or you're going to do something like that, then you know you're going to wear it. And there's a lot of times that I've heard, like from their own teammates, when they see people acting like that on their team, they go up to them and they say, hey, dude, you need to knock that shit off because you're putting us in danger. They're going to come and they're going to throw at us. I mean... Maybe when the when the Bravos, you know, when we see the Bravos again, maybe, you know, he might end up wearing one. But the fact that he look, that is that's the way that uh, Tatis, you know, runs the bases on a home run trot. That kind of stuff doesn't bother me. Just get the guy out. It's it, right. It's like you really want to shut someone up. Just get him out. I mean, I for me, what was more egregious was when he hit the home run, he hit Will Smith. The after swing, the follow through well, hit Will Smith. I mean, I think that one, too, wasn't as bad as the other because Will Smith was getting up because he thought the runner was going. So he kind of he came he came up and forward. Yeah. So it kind of like, OK, I mean, it wasn't the same as the first one, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, it's interesting, but I, I'm very encouraged by the fact that this Dodgers team, I, I don't want to say they're scrappy like that, but I always, if you looked at this team, I always wondered, Yeah, you know, you brought this up, right? When you go back to the 88 team and Kirk Gibson and how Kirk Gibson was a red ass and it was that famous story about how he went after Jesse Orozco. And in no way in my mind did I ever think that Will Smith is like Kirk Gibson. I don't think of Will Smith as a red ass. As I said, he's a very like soft-spoken person. So for him to actually say something, and he didn't back down. Like he stood his ground and he looked at Ozuna, and Ozuna was trying to play it off like, what? What, what did I do? You know, and stuff like that. I, I'm very encouraged by the growth of Will Smith. That, uh, 
and and it's I don't think it's fair to say that it was this season because obviously we've seen Will Smith every year grow, but I really feel like this year he has made and we've had this conversation before on the show. Who is the Dodgers' leader? Because all these teams they have to have a leader, right? They have somebody who polices the clubhouse, somebody that they can look up to, and the. The fact is we lost Justin Turner, right? He was the leader on this team. And I, everyone thinks this team that it's Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts' team. Hey, whether they like it or not, make room for Will Smith because I think you can very easily start to say that this is now also Will Smith's team. I, I just feel like exactly Philip Lopez. The, the guy is very reliable at the plate. I think he's gotten much better at calling games uh, and, and handling his pitchers. I'm just, I'm very, yes, and I'm very hopeful that he, I, I, I guess it's, it's no doubt, right? He's making the all-star team this year. If Will Smith is not on the all-star team, it's either because he got injured or something egregious happened. But I think clearly Will Smith is the starting National League catcher, right, Babyface? Well, I mean, you would think so, right? But it all depends on the voting, right? And we know how some cities just go crazy, like, on that voting, and they'll vote, you know, somebody that probably shouldn't be starting in. But so hopefully it doesn't go that way. And, you know, Will Smith does get that that starting nod. Absolutely. Um, So I don't know if you guys have seen this on social media, but uh, this is now the second time I've seen this. They're already giving grades to teams so far on the season, right? We're, we're a third of the way, almost a third of the way into the season, and teams were giving grades. And one of the shows uh, on, on this network, uh, the, uh, the Wake and Rake podcast, they were giving grades to all the teams in the national, and actually in all of Major League Baseball. And when it came to the Dodgers, they just put a question mark. And I kind of get what they were saying, because for me, the question mark symbolizes, well, what do we make of this team, right? But the athletic, do you have the, the graphic, babyface? So for those of you on the live, one there. Um, for those of you on the live, so the, the athletic put out this their grades up, and this is as of May 25th, okay? So the Rays are A+. Plus. Well, they have the best record in all of Major League Baseball. I, I can't argue that. The Bravos, you know, they're an A. Okay, I get that. The Rangers, A-. minus. The Orioles, A-. minus. I get that. The Diamondbacks, a B+, plus because they're surprising people. The Washington Nationals, a B+. Plus. I, I, I mean, they're still in last place, but I guess they're playing better. But then you get to the Dodgers, and the Dodgers are a B. I, I I didn't get the, and this is supposed to. This is the Athletic, right? These are people that cover baseball, right? They watch baseball every day. Babyface, I'm not trying to be a homer at all here, but how do the Dodgers, who have the best record in the National League? How do they get anything less than an A? They have injuries to their starting rotation that they've had to come overcome. They have an outfield with inconsistent production. And they still have, at the beginning of the season, I don't think anybody thought the Dodgers were going to be leading the division. I thought they thought they'd be up. But tell me who would have thought that we're getting towards the end of May and the Dodgers have a seven-and-a-half game lead against the Showpods, who were supposed to run away with this division. I, I, I Babyface, am I a homer? I mean, it's got to be a, an A-minus at the least, right? Yeah, this is kind of like one of those same things, like when we when we'd see the, the list of, like, best pitchers, right, and you'd see, like, Julio, like, at the beginning of the season, like, we'd see Julio, like, 10th, right, going into the season, but, like, he he just won the best left-handed award, right? So like, but you'd have other lefties in front of him. Like, I see the Diamondbacks. Yeah, Diamondbacks are playing really good, right? Not what you not expecting, but they're ahead of the Dodgers, and the Dodgers are in first place in that division. So it's like, how does that make any sense? You know, like, I mean, what they've done, like you said, they're in first place. They've had injuries. You know, they're 
their pitching staff, how many guys have been out on their pitching staff, their starting staff, right? And yeah. they've had they've had to kind of find a way to win. And and you know, they've had these inconsistencies to start the year. You know, they started they started five hundred for what? The first like three three weeks, four weeks, right? Almost. And then they've turned it around since then. And anything less than an eight at this point, it doesn't make any sense. I mean I mean, like I said, it doesn't make any sense, especially if you have a team like the Diamondbacks who are actually in second place in the NL West ahead of them. Yeah, and and again, this uh, to me, it always seems like there's a separate set of rules for the Dodgers. Like everybody looks at the Dodgers differently. And so I want to throw this out to you guys on the live because I think what the Dodgers are doing is extremely difficult, and I don't see any other team in Major League Baseball, and you guys chime in and tell me if this is right. I don't see any other team in Major League Baseball doing what the Dodgers are doing, which is trying to win now, but at the same time, developing their farm system. Like, I want to throw this out there to you guys. If we would have gone in, uh, if we would have pulled off the Juan Soto trade, you know probably Bobby Miller or Gavin Stone would have needed to been in that trade. Maybe Dustin May needed to be in that trade. If the Dodgers ended up pulling the trigger on Juan Soto, where would the Dodgers be now? They didn't – I mean, we're talking about this whole season. The Dodgers don't have the same depth as they had before. If we would have pulled off that Juan Soto deal, Juan Soto doesn't pitch. Like, where would we be at this point? So that's why as much as we get pissed at Andrew Friedman, there's a reason why Andrew Friedman has that job and we're here. Look, they are still keeping like that minor league system into a machine where they just roll out players. And I look at the these grades and I'm sitting there, what other team in Major League Baseball is doing the same thing the Dodgers are doing and is still maintaining some level of success. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, the the Rayos don't go out there and sign players, okay? So they have a product there because of their farm system, okay? The Bravos, maybe. Maybe it's the Bravos that are doing the same thing as the Dodgers. Maybe they just don't spend as much money as the Dodgers because they end up signing these guys so early and giving them 10-year contracts. The Yankees, they spend all their money on free agency. I I just think what the Dodgers are doing is extremely difficult. And I know it's frustrating because we only have one World Series to show for it. But for them to be able to pull off this and then you guys, these writers give them a B, what are they watching that we are not watching, babyface? I mean, like you're saying, like, Look back at I'll, I'll just take all the teams in front of the Dodgers, right? They have a better grade or or same. Go back ten years of all those teams. Who who has been in it in the playoffs for the last ten years, right? Rays, no, they, you know they they have down times, right? But they have a farm system, right? The Braves, not even the Braves. Go back ten years, they were struggling, right? And 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 then they built up their farm system, right? Seems like Texas, same thing. The Orioles now, right? They haven't been good. So the Dodgers are the only consistent team that even through 10 years, they've been able to be a playoff caliber team and keep a strong farm system, right? Nobody else does that in baseball. I just I just don't understand why. How could you not look at what the Dodgers have gone through up until this point? Because this is this is May 25th. So this includes the Dodgers taking two out of three against the Bravos who are supposed to be the class of the National League. And after that series, you still decide, you know what? It's just a B, a B for them. For them to have the – I I didn't think they were going to be able to do this. I did not think the Dodgers would have the best record in the National League with everything they lost, and especially with the injuries they've had to start the season. I never would have thought they would have the best record in the National League. So to me, this is mind-blowing. As I said, the Wake and Rake podcast, they put a question mark, which I thought was a little bit of a cop-out because it's like you don't know what to make out of this team. And yeah, they have a B. Is it? Are they giving them a B because the Dodgers have flaws? 
But at the same time, it's like, yeah, they have flaws. You don't think they're going to address those flaws as the season progresses? Going back to the waking Rick, I think from the from the responses that they put out, I think they put a question mark because they want you to kind of to come and listen to hear their grade. So I'm not yeah. exactly sure that they're just saying like, well, I don't know, is it an A, is it a B? So I think that's kind of their excuse. But like the athletic, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know what they're thinking. Like to go with the B, um, that doesn't make any sense to me. I mean, some of these other grades, like the Piratas with a C, I, I was just like, look. I, they started off strong and then they hit a slump, okay? But they're still in it right now. So, I, I, I mean, I, I I feel like some of the... I mean, I know it makes you happy that they gave the show pods an F. I mean, to me, the Oakland IAs, that's probably the most accurate grade that they gave out here was that. So, I, I just... Uh, I was... I just feel like the Dodgers could, can never get anything right. They just cannot... The team has the best record in the National League. They're in first place. And supposedly the most you know knowledgeable people that are a part of this group, and they look at him and they give him a B. I just don't understand the rationale between that. Um, we're going to segue. Uh, as you guys all know, it's that time. It's uh, La Plancha con el Rudo. Uh, I, I want you guys to watch this video, and, and I want to I wanna get your thoughts on this. Uh, Babyface, can you play the tape? you would put on your Mount Rushmore? Well, it definitely has to be Flair. It definitely has to be Andre. Um, have to go with Macho. And then I put myself up there. All right, brother, you put yourself on there. I love it. <laughs> I, I have to put myself up there, bro. You know, I worked with all those guys, and it didn't, didn't matter who it was, man. We... We rock the house no matter who it was. So no rock, Austin, any of those guys, Cena, you don't put those guys there. Well, we, we, well I, you know, I'm just thinking longevity, mm-hmm. you know, longevity. I'm talking about guys that put, you know, 20, 25 years in, um, you know, I don't know main event wise, how long the rock was the main event guy. I don't know if it was six years or eight years or two years or four years. Cause I don't know the time of these guys. I know Steve was in the business for a long time. And I don't know if he's a main event guy for eight years or 10 years. I just don't know the time frame, but I know Randy, you know, was main event guy for 20 plus years, you know, same with Andre. Oh my God, forever. Okay. So uh, David wants a taco. You can definitely drink because this is the portion of the show where we talk wrestling. Uh, But my favorite person in the whole world, Hulk Hogan there, was asked about his Mount Rushmore of wrestling. And for the first time ever, I wanted to give the pukester credit where I was like, oh, wow, the pukester actually said something smart. You know, obviously, to me, Ric Flair definitely needs to, has to be in, in as one of the four of the Mount Rushmore. And I'll even go as far as to say that the pukester deserves to be one of the four in the Mount Rushmore. I was very surprised that he said the Macho Man Randy Savage, but for me, that is deserved. The Macho Man Randy Savage should definitely be on that Mount Rushmore. But when he mentioned Andre, I was very surprised because I feel Andre is totally taken for granted. And that is because, I mean, Andre Andre's prime was before wrestling hit it big. When he it became a actual, you know, in the... What's the word that I'm looking for where the, the average person was watching? What, what were you going to say, Big Face? I was going to say it became like mainstream. There you go, mainstream. Thank you very much. So we, if you see old videos of Andre the Giant wrestling in Japan, he was slimmer. But you can actually see like he was moving. Like he wasn't like the Andre that we saw that was very slow and lumbering and could hardly move. So the fact that he gave a shout out to Andre, I thought was was absolutely uh, uh, that was to me the best. Uh, that, I, I wanted to give him credit for it, but then of course he kills it because Hogan must pose. It's always about Hogan. Afterwards, 
when he like when they ask him about well what about the rock and and stone cold and and john cena and for him to sit there and go well i don't know how long these guys is like bro come on stone cold that era with stone cold was almost as popular as the era when hogan was running the show so i i thought it was kind of disrespectful of the pukester Babyface, what did you think of his Mount Rushmore of wrestling and how he basically just gave low, low, low shade to Stone Cold and The Rock? Yeah, I mean, I thought for some, you know, it was pretty close. Like to me, like to me, I think if you wanted to get, I mean, it's hard for me to pick out four guys, right? But like, but you got to, like you said, you have to have Hogan in there because like I said, he changed the business, right? It became mainstream. He's the guy that did it, right? Yeah. And then and then you got to have Flair because he did it kind of not really being in that spotlight yet. Like he was in a lower spotlight, but he was still became mainstream. He became that mainstream guy too. So you got to have Flair there too, right? And then like Macho Man is someone like I'm like, should Macho be on there? Like, yeah, he, he was all-time great, right? But then I think too like, if if there's no if there's no Hogan, do we have a Macho Man, right? If there's no Hogan, wrestling maybe never blows up like it did, and Macho Man never never really gets to that point, right? Mm-hmm. Like like if there's no Macho Man, we still had Hogan, right? So it still got to a certain point. So it's like that's the hard part on Macho Man, like because you know I, I do think he he should be there, but he kind of came in that era in that time when when Hogan was there as well. Yeah, so they, were, they were both there, right? So then the, the next guy, I think, definitely is Stone Cold, right? Because he changed it again. Like, he brought wrestling kind of that attitude there. So he definitely should be there. So that's, that's like, the third guy, definitely. And then I I don't know after that, like, you know, like, Cena is another guy that did a lot, you know, and he became the face of the of the WWF and the WWE in, in, in you know, the last, you know, 10, 15 years. So, you know, definitely, and The Rock also, right? Like, he crossed yeah. over. So, right there is where it gets really hard. Like, you know, Rock, Cena, you know, like I said, and it's, and it's kind of, like I said, hard for me with Macho Man, too, because they were at that same time, you know. But then you, you go back to, you know, Andre the Giant, Bruno San Martino, those guys, right, that, that kind of built yeah. the, built those early those early years. So, like, you know, it, it's really hard to narrow it to four, four guys. I, I agree with you, first of all, that it is really hard for there to be at least four guys. But I do think Stone Cold, I agree with you. Stone Cold, The Rock, or one of those guys needed to be on there. And for Hogan just to completely diss them, I thought, ah, there, there's Hogan. Hogan must pose. Philip Lopez, I'm going to answer your question, and you tell me if I'm right. So Philip Lopez puts in the chat uh, on the live here, hey, Juan, who says this? I believe the line reading goes like this, Philip Lopez. Hey, freak show, you're going nowhere. I got you for three minutes. I believe that is the Macho Man Randy Savage playing the character of Bonesaw in the major motion picture Spitterman. Uh, that was with Toby Maguire. Uh, Philip Lopez, you let me know if I'm correct on that. Um, but that that's going to... That's going to be the wrestling portion of our show. So as you guys know, uh, if you're drinking, whenever we mention uh, wrestling on the show, that's when you drink. And we've met our quota for the day. Daniel Ibarra with a Mil Mascaras reference. There we go. The Lucha Libre, everybody. And and just to be clear to everyone, there's wrestling and then there's Lucha Libre. To me, they're, they're in different... Uh, they're in different categories, even though the great Eddie Guerrero and then Rey Mysterio tried to bring the Lucha style into mainstream wrestling. Um, but yeah, Mil Mascaras maybe should. You could make a very good argument that he should uh, be on on the uh, one of the four. But I like like Babyface says, I, I think four is just there's really two. It's really hard because then you kind of have to represent eras. Uh, and thank you, Baby Faye. I mean, and no, no, Philip Lopez has said that I am correct. I guessed his little trivia that he tried to stump me on and that uh, my impersonation was legit. So, yes. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're going to do a Mount Rushmore, don't you kind of have to do it by era? You pick one guy because 
I, I think the interesting conversation is between Hogan and Flair because they are the same era, right? And the thing is, is Hogan was much more popular. Hogan was the one that made it mainstream. But here's my argument with Flair. All the hip hop artists, they all reference Flair in their music. They don't f- reference Hogan. No. They all want to style and profile like who? Like the Nature Boy. Woo! Now, did that happen, though, after? Like, somehow, did he become more well-known after? Or was he well-known in the 80s that they kind of picked the... You know, yeah. I think... I, I, I'm thinking it kind of happened after for some reason. Right, but doesn't that speak more about his, you know, his career? Like, his legacy right there? That looking back at it, the kids are like, hey, Flair was the man, not Hogan. Because these are hip hip hop artists that never saw Flair wrestle in his prime and never saw Hogan wrestle in his prime. It's the character that Ric Flair created. That's what stuck with them. Yeah, I think I think you need to kind of get to get a good gauge. You got to ask somebody that's not really a wrestling fan, but kind of has you know has has heard of these guys. So like, so hey, I heard of Hogan, I heard of Flair. I heard of Stone Cold. I've heard of The Rock, right? Because they made that impact, right? Like, I think that'd be a good gauge to kind of know, like, well, who really made that impact outside of the wrestling world? Yeah. And then what is your criteria, right? Because there are those wrestlers that were fantastic wrestlers in the ring. Uh, <laughs> Michael Carrillo, uh, all I care is that Hogan took down Cocker. He hated that website. Um you have guys that were technically great wrestlers, right? And you loved watching them. And then you had guys who were very good on the microphone. And then you had guys who could only do one or the other. And then you had guys who could do both. So obviously I think the criteria, if you're going to do a Mount Rushmore is guys who could do both. And some of the guys that you mentioned are guys who could do both. Uh, Stone Cold could do both. The Rock could do both. Ric Flair could do both. As much as I love Bret Hart, I don't think Bret Hart was very good on the mic. But inside the ring, it's very hard to find anybody who was better than Bret Hart inside the ring. Jake the Snake was great on the mic. He was a great guy on the mic. Now, I think we kind of, that's a question mark to me because how good he was in the ring he had his drug addiction, and that might have, have affected him physically. But this whole uh, Mount Rushmore thing, it, it could be – I just – I came across that with Hogan, and you guys all uh, know about my love of the pukester on this show. So I, we, had to, we had to address it. Um, so that being said, now we're going to segue into our picks, everybody. Oh, Philip Lopez with a shout-out to uh, Mr. Perfect. So uh, – Nobody won last week uh, in terms of our picks because everybody was feeling the Dodgers. So on this road trip, which were four games against the Cardenales and then three games against the Bravos, uh, the Dodgers ended up going three and four. Nobody picked three and four. Everybody was either five and two. Everybody was saying, you know, everybody was feeling the Dodgers. David wants a taco and I went four and three and, and that didn't happen. That Cardenales series was rough. Um, Look, I'll give them this. The Cardenales before that series were playing really well. They had won eight out of ten. So I think I'm going to just chalk it up to the fact that the Dodgers just went in there facing a team that got hot. They got hot at the right time. But at the same time, the pitching was not good in that series. Uh, We had Julio who looked rough. Maybe it was a result of the injury. Maybe it's a mechanical issue. With Julio, we don't know what's going on with Julio. So hopefully having this time on the IL will change that. Tony Gonsolin is a guy that has been pitching really well. And I just hope that this guy can keep it up. Because right now, of the guys that are still in the rotation, babyface, am I wrong? Is Tony Gonsolin not the best pitcher you have in the rotation right now? Yeah, I mean, he's he's showing that last year wasn't, a fluke, a fluke, right? Yeah. Right. So he's 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 pitching he's pitching well, you know, up to you know same same caliber as last year. So you know, look look to continue. You know, he he's the top guy right now, right? Because he got well. I mean, Kershaw. 
I'm gonna chalk up Kershaw's last two starts to kind of what he's been going through. Yeah. So I, I don't really expect that from Kershaw. I think Kershaw will kind of level back out and kind of back to where he was at, you know, previous. Now let me ask you this. Uh so Kershaw was on bereavement this week. He is gonna make his start. He's scheduled to make his start on Saturday against the Rayos. How long do you think it's gonna take him to get out of this funk? I mean, obviously, look, we, we've talked about how Kershaw is so great and he's able to to separate what's going on in his real life. But like you said, his last two starts has not looked like the Kershaw that we saw early in the season. So how long can this funk of his last? I think I think this one will probably be better. Yeah. I'm hoping, you know, you know now, you know, he's dealt with everything. You know, there's finally, you know, closure, you know, with his mom passed away. You know, they've, they've had the services. They've had, uh, I think, you know, that's kind of come to a, a close. You know, prior to that, you know, it was still fresh. You know, he was probably still thinking, Okay, I, I, I'll be I'll be away in the next couple of days, and all this other stuff still going in his head. I think now, you know, there's there's some closure there, and I think he's probably ready to to you know continue with the season. Okay, I mean, I I hope so, but I just uh, I I don't know. It, it, it worries me in terms of how long it's going to take him. I mean, it's it's Rocky Three, man. We saw how long it took uh, Balboa to to get over losing to Clubber Lang. And, you know, you know, Apollo kept telling him, what's the matter with you, man? I of the tiger. And uh, this is one of those things where real life gets in the way uh, of sports. And, I mean, I, I I haven't lost a parent, so I don't know what that feels like. So I don't know how, um, how that can, you know, how long that takes for you to get back to normal. Um, as, uh, as John Mulaney, the comic, says, uh, you know, when your dad's dad dies, things get weird. Your dad gets weird. Uh, this is this is Kershaw's mom, so I, I don't know what that relationship was like. But I, I hope I hope he starts bouncing back, and I hope it is just a phase because the Dodgers need him, uh, especially during this stretch that, that's going on right now. Um, a quick shout out before we go to the the picks. Um, I just I Federico again is just on a tear. I, I mean, Federico just raised his batting average another 15 points, and against it was it felt different this time against the Bravos, right? Right, baby face. I mean, Federico wasn't crying. It really yeah. didn't it feel like he was a Dodger this time going against the Bravos. I think last year you felt, hey, is he still a brave? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I posted uh, the. I think the series the series ended right. The those come those equipos soon come. You know that that ended last <laughs> last season. It didn't come back for a second season. So, you know, you know, he was all business. You know, he 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 acknowledged the crowd. You know, they 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 uh, they cheered him on. But I think uh, I think the, by the end they were like, dang it, Freddie Freeman again, man, he's killing us. So, and I think uh, that's what's going to continue to happen there. Yeah, Federico, I really think, is a machine, man. He just, he makes baseball look easy. Uh, another shout-out, uh, I know Babyface calls him just dingers, but J.D. Martinez quietly uh, is riding a little bit of a hot streak. I mean, he, he raised his batting average almost 30 points since coming back from the DL, uh, from the IL. He's hit four home runs in the last week. Uh, he's he's looked really good, and uh Another guy I want to shout out is Caleb Ferguson, man. Caleb Ferguson is, I mean, his ERA is under one now. I mean, is there another pitcher, probably aside from Evan Phillips, is there anyone in the Dodgers bullpen that you trust more than Caleb Ferguson right now, babyface? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, he's been solid. You know, also, do we mention him last week, right? Jim Gonzalez, right? He's He's been solid as well, right? He came in. Uh, was it he just had that night? one bad inning. Yeah, one bad inning. The, the last night he came in, you know, and he got out of he he got out of I think it was like a leadoff the leadoff double, something yeah, like that right. And you know he got out, so you know he's you know the the bullpen is you know they'll have their little misses here and there, but they're it's not as bad as kind of in the first couple of weeks, right? It was just like they'd bring out one guy and he'd be bad, another guy same thing, you know. Even um, even Yancey's last couple outings as well, he's been you know, more dominant, more like himself, you know, he's, he's been kind of rocky, you know, 
you know, poor Phil Bickford, you know, he gets, you know, he, he took the loss yesterday. Everybody was like, why is Bickford out there? You know? Yeah. But I mean, you know, they, they, last night they didn't really have, they couldn't go to Phillips because he had pitched prior. So it's like, you know, you, you had to go out there with, with, with Bickford. I, I think uh, poor Bickford is in the same category as Thor. Uh, those two long haired blonde kids are just like the first ticket out of uh, Los Angeles. Uh, Whatever bus shows up, you're on it. So, and it's too bad because Bigford has had his moments sometimes with the Dodgers. But you know, people love to beat up on Bigford, and they love to beat up on Syndergaard. But you know, a couple of guys that I'm a I'm a little concerned about that I'm keeping an eye on is I know Max Muncie was sick, but Muncie's been struggling. I mean, his average now is very close to the dreaded Mendoza line, and I know. He, you know, he started off with the home runs and all that stuff. So I'm hoping this is just him still recovering from the sickness that he had because he was ill for a long time. And I've heard him in the clubhouse, you know, talk about it. So, but then Muncie's always streaky, streaky anyways. He has these moments where it looks like he can't hit. And then he has these moments where he just goes completely on a tear. The second half of last season, he looked like a different player. Um, I hate to say this, uh, but our friend of the carne asada, James Outman, is concerning me. Uh, I know he put on the the friend of the carne asada shirt to hit that grand slam. I, I think he needs to keep that shirt on all all the time. I mean, his batting average has dropped almost twenty points in the in the last week. Uh, so I'm a little, and the strikeouts just continue. He knows what they're doing to him. And this is why baseball is so hard. You know what they're doing to you, and you still can't fix it. So um, I, I hope he turns around. And another friend of the carne asada, uh, Justin Brule, uh, he's been uh, he's been a little rough lately. So hopefully those guys can turn things around. Uh, any any other guys that concern you, Babyface, or or you disagree with me? Mm, no, I mean you know. It, you know, guys go through the streaks, right? You know, yeah. they'll they'll go up and down. So, I think you know, for some of these guys, you know, they'll they'll snap out of it. You know, James Allen and Muncy, I think they'll they'll snap out of it and they'll get their big hits as 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 usual, right? I mean, you mentioned J.D. Martinez, right? I mean, he was he wasn't playing like he is right now, but he was just kind of playing normal, right? Nothing. And right now, he's on a good hot streak, and you know, since he's come back from the IL. So hopefully that, you know, that continues, you know, and we need to see that, you know, uh, Vargas, right. Vargas has been playing a lot better, right. Hitting yeah. a lot better. So Vargas is, is, is coming around, you know, and, uh, need to see it from, uh, you know, but, you know, Derek Peralta and Hayward had a home run in this series. So, you know, those are the guys we need, we need to, those outfielders to kind of, you know, keep it going. Uh, Philip Lopez, here's a reference from you for you. You let me know, and it's uh, from the movie you referenced, Over the Top. Uh, let me know which character says this. Second sucks. Uh, so that being said, we're going to start putting in our picks. Uh, Philip Lopez is feeling himself. He says the Dodgers are going to go 5-1. and one. So the upcoming row, uh, the, the six games we're going to cover in this span are three against the Rayos in Tampa, and then they come home to face three against the Washington Nationals. So Philip Lopez has them going five and one. David Wansataco has them going four and two. Simeon has them going five and one. Everybody is really just feeling the Dodgers right now. Abraham Jimenez coming in with the three and three. Abraham seems to be the one that is very realistic in giving credit to, to the Rayos. I mean, the Rayos have the best record in Major League Baseball for a reason. And the Dodgers are going to be on the road. So, uh, and just to recap the standings, since nobody won last week, Babyface is still in first place, but he's tied with you listeners. So uh, you guys all have a victory, and Alicia, Alonzo, and myself, we just suck because we can't even get on the board. We can't predict this. So that being said, do you want me to go first, Babyface, or, or do you want to take the floor? Uh, you can go first. Okay. Uh, I think I agree with Abraham. I think they're going three and three. Mm, I'm going to go. Uh, I mean, they should sweep the Nationals, but. 
you know, we know when we say they should, that usually doesn't happen. So I'm going to go four and two. All right. Four and two. And Philip Lopez, winner, winner, chicken dinner. That is correct. Bull Harley with that great line in the major motion picture over the top. And uh, who had that on their bingo card during this show that we would make an over the top uh, reference? By the way, Philip Lopez, I am a huge fan of Sylvester Stallone. And uh, those movies are movies that I grew up watching. Go ahead, babyface. So I was going to say, I don't know if, if everybody that's watching right now, if you're if you're on YouTube, I'm pretty sure you subscribe. But if you're not, make sure you subscribe. And if you're on Twitter, make sure you're following us, Bleed Us Podcast. We're close to about a thousand uh, followers. Want to hit that real soon? I, I'm probably going to do a giveaway. I got some like, I got some hats, uh, some new hats that I'm probably giving away, and uh, some Carnesada shirts. So make sure you tell your friends. That's the most important thing. If you if you follow us. Go share it with somebody. Hey, that you're that's a Dodger fan. Your your family, send out a tweet, whatever it is. IG say, hey, follow these guys out. You know, check them out. And I, exactly what you said, babyface. And I want to thank Simeon because Simeon's really good about that. Simeon is always sharing our stuff, not only on Twitter but on Instagram. And I, I don't get a chance to comment on all of it, Simeon. But I just want you to know, I. I see that I see what you're doing and I really appreciate all the support that you give us and it'll help us grow. So like Babyface says, subscribe to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the audio portion of the podcast. Uh we had a great episode with Dave Stewart. Catch up on past episodes. Look guys, we're we're trying to give you guys different types of Dodger coverage. We're going to have the live shows where we talk more baseball. But then we also want to talk about other things. We have other guests about Los Angeles. And as you guys said, saw earlier what happens on the live. If you guys are interested in those kind of topics, let us know. If you guys want us to, to talk about that stuff, send your ideas over. Like, who should we have on the show? What do you guys want to hear us talk about? Um, uh, Babyface, any last words? Not just... Um... You know, we'll see what uh, next week we'll have another live, right? So just just uh, just make sure you, like I said, spread the word. And, you know, we'll be back next week for another live. And there you have it. Yo ha sido su servidor, Juan Ramirez, de parte de mi colega Babyface. Nos vemos para la próxima. This episode of the Bleed Lows podcast has been brought to you by betonline.ag, where the game starts. Nos vemos. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Please subscribe and leave a review to the Bleed Lows Podcast. The Bleed Lows Podcast is a Dodgers Beat production. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.